Welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report Podcast. I'm Ethan Ryder. Today I'm joined by Chris Cartman. Chris, how are you doing today? Rolling on, Ethan. How are you doing? Rolling, what is it? Rolling on a river, whatever. I think that's that's what the, the lyrics go by. I don't know. That's the first thing I thought of when you said rolling. I, but but I'm I'm doing well. Um classic rock. Okay, cool. That, that's a good song. I didn't really want to sing it because you know I, I don't think I my voice would quite give it give it justice. But but anyways, I'm also joined by Noah Furtado. Noah, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Awesome. And also joined by Cole Bradley. Cole, how are you doing today? Doing great, Ethan. Hope all is well with you. It sure is. This is going to be a basketball season preview with Bobby Hurley and the team. Going into the season, ranked number seven in the Pac-12 media poll. We wanted to see the team in action before going through to this podcast as the team is virtually half new and there weren't many opportunities to see them play other than a couple practices. So we wanted to make sure that we got at least some action from them before making this podcast and really giving an in-depth preview of the season. So let's dive into Tarleton State. Chris and Noah, you were both there in attendance uh, to watch that game. It was a pretty sluggish offensive performance. ASU did come away with a 62-59 to win after kind of a surge towards the end of the game. Noah, what were your thoughts on that one? It's a good thing we waited, I'll say that, um, to do this podcast because before last night there were going to be some things said based on player interviews, what Bobby Hurley had said, that just wasn't you know the case uh Frankie Collins took 24 shots um was the game high score with 21 points uh which was a career high he, he just he didn't look like the pure point guard that uh Bobby Hurley uh pegged him as just wasn't the facilitator that a lot of his teammates had sort of talked about him as being throughout the preseason like so many guys had said he's good at getting you know, everyone, their touches. Um, and he had about, I think, four assists and six turnovers last night. Um, had 11 three-point attempts. One of that, part of that was like, because Tarleton State had given him so many opportunities from beyond the arc to get open shots. Um, hit four of them. But just the overall, um, his volume as a as a scorer for ASU was, was very unexpected. Um, to say the least. Beyond that, a lot of the athleticism, length, versatility that was sort of talked about uh, a lot as well about this team with, with some of the transfers that came in, you know, seven foot Warren Washington from Nevada, um, several other forwards, Devon Cambridge, um, even Desmond Cambridge, who was relatively long at the guard position. They the team as a whole did not play very well uh, collectively on defense. And that sort of showed when Tarleton state came out, scored their first 18 points in the paint. Um, that stat alone just sort of set the tone for the fact that, you know, the versatility, the length athleticism didn't really show up uh, throughout the night. And as far as rebounds, they did end up doing what they needed to do in that respect by the end of the game. Um, I think they had a pretty solid 15 or so advantage in that category, but uh, started slow in that respect. And it was really something that they should have been dominating from the get-go. I think they led by maybe 9, 10, 11 by the half um, against a team that had its tallest player at like six foot seven. Um, 
very undersized. And essentially the Texans played as this sort of scrappy in your face uh, style that uh, forced a ton of turnovers. ASU didn't take care of the ball very well. 21 uh, for the night. Bobby Hurley acknowledged all of that, but I thought the biggest thing to take away from it was there were six scholarship newcomers. Um, Like you said, the team was half new, Um, but it looked very similar to the team last year that struggled to score uh, on a night-to-night basis, um, was second worst in the Pac-12 in scoring, and essentially a lot of one-on-one actions, um, too much individualistic play took place, um, and it just looked like there were some new players, but uh, not much of a new approach offensively, and that and that sort of led to you know, just 62 points scored against what should have been a sort of a tune-up team uh, in the season opener. Yeah, and then as he says, Chris, it is a season opener. Sometimes it feels like you don't really know what you're going to get. We You even talked about before we got on the podcast, USC uh, kind of blown out by FGCU in their season opener. So maybe it's a good thing that ASU just ended up coming away with a win, but what were your thoughts on the performance? Yeah, it wasn't pretty to watch. That's, that's certainly the case. Um, There have been these questions about Bobby Hurley's uh, ability to orchestrate pretty offense kind of really throughout his tenure and uh, especially in more recent years when the team hasn't done as well. I thought that last season, to take a step back and frame kind of uh, this this year, uh, late in the year, they uh, figured out a way to create a lot of offense from the interior with Jalen Graham from the mid post. And uh, I thought that a lot of their actions and their sets were showing that maybe there was some evolution to, to his coaching to, and um, that could potentially bode well for them. This game though, the opener against Tarleton state was more reminiscent of some of the uh, lesser uh, appealing moments of Hurley's tenure with this sort of frenetic energy, guard play, lack of cohesion, a lot of individual uh, one-on-one, you know, almost like kind of hero ball, what a lot of people would, would call it. And it's, 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 you don't really know from one game. It's hard to, Sometimes you have a tendency to put too much stock into what happened in one game as what a team is going to be. But Hurley had said before this that he felt like ASU was further along on the defensive end. And he sort of hinted at some of these issues that maybe we saw for the first time in a real game offensively. And to be sure, Billy Gillespie, the uh, Tarleton State coach, is a uh, very seasoned veteran coach. He's been successful for a number of years at different programs. Uh, he's had a checkered sort of past with some DUIs and other stuff that probably has prevented him from having even more success in his coaching career. But um, I felt like they put together a really good game plan and they dictated kind of what was going to happen in terms of the flow and the pacing of the style of the game much more so than ASU was able to dictate. And that's another sort of a hallmark or tendency, I think, of Hurley's time at ASU is I don't 
I, we don't see enough of ASU imposing its will and getting this style of game that it wants to impose upon an opponent. And a big part of this for sure is that ASU's not had many teams under Hurley that uh, have had a uh, good balance of uh, front court and back court talent, size, length, athleticism, and style. But there was so much talk about this year having a bigger team and a lot more capability um, enabled by the size that they had. But we didn't see hardly any inside-out play. Uh, and that was, Tarleton was a smaller type of a team, one of the more like the active, scrappy, front-the-post kind of swarm guys and try to prevent the ball from being dropped off on, into the interior. And it, what we saw was, I think, I think that uh, Tarleton had like its first 16 or 18 points in the paint. Uh, and ASU was throwing the ball around the perimeter and didn't have an assist in the first 13 minutes of the game. And so that to me is indicative of you have more time to prepare for your first opponent than you do any other opponent all season. And so how well that prepared that you are for that opponent to me is sort of indicative of some, some, some uh, aspects of your, your team. And that was not a good looking offense in any stretch of the imagination. And uh, Frankie Collins, a guy who had only three made three pointers last season at Michigan and ended up transferring as others were brought into the program. And um, there's, I think a very obvious reality that ASU is going to face in that teams are going to basically sag and go under all screens at the top. And ASU likes to run a lot of these ball screens ASU is going to uh, opponents are going to sag and go under all those and, and try to make a Collins uh, a high volume jump shooter. And that's what happened in this game. Didn't work successfully for ASU overall. Um, he did shoot decently well from three, but a very low percentage from the field. And uh, for as much, uh, as much that, as he had the ball in his hands last night, his usage rate was extremely high. And so much so that DJ Horn felt like he wasn't even out there quite a bit, right? The guy who last year was ASU's best offensive player, I think pretty clearly with Marcus Bagley out of the lineup. Uh, I think it leads a lot of questions about whether or not that was like the best approach for ASU. Yeah, and and I think a lot of it, as, as you talked about it, is about how different the roster looks and how Noah talked about it being pretty similar to what it looked like last season in regards to uh, the offensive look out there. But let's just go into what this roster looks like. A lot of, a lot of guys leaving on transfer, a lot of guys coming in due to transfers uh, and a couple or at least one recruit and things along those lines or two recruits. And so there is a lot of change within this roster. Let's first go to the guards, the returning guards on the roster, DJ Horn, Luther Muhammad, and Jemiah Neal. Uh, Noah, we'll go to you first. Just what are your thoughts on on the returning guards on the roster, what their role might be on the team, and and just kind of what you expect from them during the season? I expected DJ Horn. Um, obviously, it's just one game, but, but before going into last night, I expected him to – embrace uh, a more natural two-guard role um, with Frankie Collins coming in and taking over as, as a primary ball handler as quote-unquote pure point guard. Um, felt like last year 
because um, there wasn't really any true point guard that uh, when Marion Jackson wasn't on the floor, he, he'd essentially have to take on point guard duties, um, sort of took him away from, you know, the sort of focus that would allow him to, to thrive um, with his offensive strengths as a scorer. Um, he took about, I think, seven shots last night overall. Um, and that essentially expectation wasn't met, uh, at least against Tarleton state. Um, but I would still expect him. Um, he, he was a preseason second team, all pack 12 selection. Um, I still would expect him to, you know, as games go on, step into, um, and embrace more of that sort of scores role. Um, and obviously he was still the leading scorer for ASU last season. I just think it, it's going to look differently um, if Collins can indeed sort of become that pass first guy that um, teammates and Hurley was sort of describing him uh, as being at, or as needing to be uh, for this team with, with a lot of scores, including Horn. Um, Luther Muhammad, um, who was essentially, you know, he played a lot of minutes for last year's team. Um, wasn't necessarily an established starter, but was one of the first guys off the bench for Hurley. Um, very clearly, um, I thought, given some of the personnel changes that they had with the transfers that we'll talk about a little later, um, he wasn't going to be as high up on the depth chart. Uh, only played six minutes last night. Took no shots. Absolutely none. Um, that is sort of not necessarily surprising. Um, think he will sort of continue in a lesser role this season. Um, unless like there's a stretch, uh, where injuries happen, which is obviously very possible. Um, and he has to step into, um, some, I guess, more responsibility. Jemiah Neal didn't play last night. Uh, probably won't play again Thursday, uh, according to Hurley for some lower leg injury. Um, what we did see from him throughout the preseason, um, very sort of small sample size, but uh, did look like he was sort of playing more aggressively as a scorer um, after a season in which, you know, as a freshman, was more of an energy guy off the bench, had active hands, um, gave ASU some defensive, um, I guess, just production in that way. That, that was sort of his role. I think he can – step into an expanded offensive role this year. Um, at least he thinks so. Um, by the time he gets back um, fully healthy for this squad. So. All right, cool. What are your thoughts on the returning guards on the roster? Starting with DJ Horn, Noah covered it in depth, obviously, but the biggest thing with him, I think is uh really molding into um, more of a refined scorer as opposed to last year, obviously taking a lot more shots and having to create more for himself than he probably needed to. Now not having to do that, being able to sort of play the two with with Frankie Collins now will probably help him out a lot more, but it's going to come down to him refining, you know, his, his scoring ability. I think a little bit at times that was, that was sort of, 
an issue with his game last year. Muhammad is just going to probably have to accept that he's going to be more of a role player, defensive oriented kind of guy who um, brings a pretty solid presence defensively was solid in that area last year, forced a lot of steals. Um, so that would probably be a big, a big thing that he needs to continue to do. But if he can prove that he's able to make some shots and make the most of the opportunities that he gets with the ball in his hands on the offensive end, that might lead to maybe a little bit more of an elevated role, but that's something that um, likely won't be the case given some of the depth that this team added in the backcourt. Um, and then on top of that with, um, with Jemiah Neal, sort of what Noah was saying, I mean, he looked extremely explosive from the limited showing that we've, that, that we got in the preseason of him. It looked very, um, uh, a lot more aggressive with how he was, going to the basket and stuff like that. And with the physical frame that he has um, being an above, you know, a lengthier guard who can make those sort of plays. I think that that can really be used to his um, benefit if he gets more playing time this year upon returning from his injury. And if he's able to not sort of fall into the same trap, I think he did last year by playing too much isolation um, and, you know, trying to, trying to force opportunities that probably just aren't there. I think that they'll probably have a very, very capable, um, you know, two or maybe even one, depending on where they put him. That's the thing is he's versatile. Um, I think they'll have a very capable scorer off the bench with him. Chris, anything you can add about the returning guards on the roster? Well, I think DJ Horn is, is a talented guy uh, when he's in the right role. You got to make sure that you are utilizing your players properly. Uh, he's not somebody that should be uh, an initiator that much, creating too much offense. Uh, I think Jemiah Neal is, is much more capable of a of being a a guy who who uh, breaks down guys off the dribble and scores the ball as a three level uh, player. So they 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 contrast. Horn is somebody. Um, in comparison that you want to be probably shooting a lot of the, the the touches that he gets quickly after he has them that are clean sort of looks that have been generated by what you're doing to run a guy like that off of screens or get him into some situations where some there's some uh, dribble penetration and some kick out and rotations, those types of actions. Uh, the thing about it is, though, is that early teams haven't really shown the ability to do that well enough. So then the question becomes, is a DJ Horn going to not be able to be maximized as a function of the scheme that you're running? Um, and that that's a, a high degree of possibility. Luther Mohammed, we kind of suspected going into the season that instead of having a prominent role, maybe even a starting role like he did last year, that he would be a fringe rotational player. And even without Jemaine Neal playing in this game uh, because of this lower leg injury, Luther Muhammad barely was on the court. And so that sort of tells me that when Neil comes back, Muhammad probably falls even further outside the rotation. Now we can make a, we can have a little bit of a debate about this, about whether or not uh, Devon Cambridge should be playing as much as he did and whether Luther Muhammad could take some of those minutes, even though they're not entirely the same types of players. Um, you know, but I think at a minimum, it's, it's the, the only returning guards on this team that are probably going to play a significant role this season are DJ Horn 
and then Jemai Neal. And even Jemai Neal is uh, by no way, shape, or, or, or form assured of having that type of a role. Yeah, certainly some interesting returners in terms of what their roles might be. Let's talk about some of the newcomers. Freshman Austin Nunez, Desmond Cambridge, and then Frankie Collins as well. We talked already a pretty good amount about Frankie Collins, given what he did against Tarleton State. Cole, we'll go to you first for this one. What are your thoughts on on these newcoming guards that and kind of their role on the team, just like we talked about with the returners? Well, I haven't seen much of Austin Nunez, so I don't know how much I could add there. But I will say from what I have seen with uh, Frankie Collins and then along with that, uh, Des Cambridge, both of those guys seem to be really, really solid additions to this team that can definitely um, be, you know, high contributors in terms of scoring, I think, as well. I mean, last night, like it was mentioned earlier with with Frankie Collins not being uh, not showcasing as much of that facilitator or sort of, um, you know, not not being that sort of facilitator that they were touting during the preseason. I think that probably sort of will come with time, but he seems like the guy who's able to do that really well. Obviously, you know, only one year of experience really at Michigan, but that that helps a lot. Have, playing at a big program, getting the experience in March, and then also having a guy like Des Cambridge who – can come off the bench or maybe even start for them and be as, as an effective as a scorer as he is from the perimeter and around the basket that I think that'll help, help a lot. But those at minimum, I think it really just adds, it adds a little bit more depth to that group as opposed to what they had last year. Um, and I think it will be solid to sort of pair those guys with sort of the guys that we mentioned before with like DJ Horn and Luther Muhammad as well. Now, is there anything you think is important to know about these newcomers and what they might bring to the team? Start with Nunez. He, um, you know, as a true freshman, game looked a little fast for him last night. Um, you know, he had a turnover very quickly after he he came in for his first minutes in an ASU uniform. Had had a nice sort of nifty layup, uh, wiggled through the lane. Um, I think he has potential, uh, but as far as what his impact will be this season, very limited, uh, if at all. He ended up playing only about three minutes last night. With Desmond Cambridge, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how sort of his role changes or stays the same. Um, It was um, sort of a surprise to see him not play as much. Last night, he had like 15 minutes off the bench. He was the first uh, player to be subbed in by Hurley. But just given sort of his production um, at some other places coming into the year, um, I feel like he probably has to be more of a factor um, than he was last night, at least. Um, Hurley acknowledged that in the in the postgame presser that – He's got to get used to coming off the bench. Uh, it's not something that he's done a whole lot of in his collegiate career. He, he spent a couple seasons at Brown and then two more at Nevada before coming to ASU. And, you know, across all of those years has been, you know, over a 16 point per game score. Um, and essentially Hurley said that he's got to be that um, offensive boost coming off the bench. So we'll see how that sort of, develops he only took five shots last night um 
just wasn't very productive, struggled uh, in his ASU debut. But I think just as a player, um, he's like six foot four, quite long, uh, just given his height for guard, has a lot of athleticism, can can kind of jump out of the gym um, from what we've seen um, and play above the rim, you know, for, for his size. So we'll see sort of how he can move forward with this team. With Collins, I just – it's not clear to me that him being the leading scorer um, or the first scoring option even um, is what this team needs. When ASU has been struggling these past couple of years, especially, um, it hasn't necessarily had an established point guard. And so some of the hype coming into the year with Collins was that he could fill, you know, that role. Um, Marion Jackson being sort of the main point guard last year, uh, he was just a score first kind of guy that wasn't necessarily looking to get others involved first. He, he still led the team in assists with four a game, um, but even that is quite a low number for um, your floor general, the, the guy that's sort of bringing up the ball all the time and, and initiating the offense to have. And uh, it's the same amount Collins had last night. Um, given what Hurley had, had to say about the performance, I don't necessarily expect um, his performance last night with how many shots he took to be representative of what his role will be moving forward. Um, but uh, that's probably how it's going to have to be. Um, he's going to have to be more of sort of the guy that gets a lot of the scores around him, touches, and and sort of looks for his um, shots um, just afterwards, being very selective um, in that regards, just so that, you know, I think that'll promote sort of the cohesion that they're looking for a little bit more. Um and then, like Curly said last night, just when he has those open opportunities, if he can show that he can hit that three-point shot uh, on a consistent basis, teams will adjust and defend him differently uh, from how Tarleton State did last night with going under so many screens, as Chris talked about earlier. Chris, what about you? What are your thoughts on what you saw from the newcomers and what you might expect them to do this season? Yeah, um, the book is out on Frankie Collins. Uh, he was a very highly rated guy coming out of high school, top 50 recruit in the country, um, athletic. He's he's bigger. He's a bigger, but more athletic point guard than ASU has had. The, the Remy Martins and the Trey Holders, and then even if you go like off the ball to guys like Shannon Evans, they didn't have the type of uh, size and strength and didn't play above the rim like a Frankie Collins. So he can go athletically. Um, the question really is going to be, is he going to be able to make enough shots to be able to open up the floor the way that they want? Are they going to be able to run a type of offense that uh, provides a lot of high-quality shots? to their other players and they all keep talking about how this team has like a bunch of guys that can shoot the ball on the perimeter. Okay, cool. But you can't have guys that are just sort of dribbling around until they take their own shot. That's an average shot or just passing the ball around the perimeter until you take a shot. That's a, that's an average shot. That's kind of the way that things worked in that game. Desmond Cambridge and DJ Horn to me, there, there's a little bit of a redundancy to them, which 
in that in that respect, it may, might make sense why you would bring uh, Desmond Cambridge off the bench and start Horn. Uh, you could, I think, probably the smart thing to do with Frankie Collins so early, kind of getting his feet wet at this level, is you move DJ Horn to play the one backing up Frankie Collins when Collins isn't on the floor. That's only going to be five to ten minutes a game. Then you can bring in slide Desmond Cambridge over, or you can go to some three guard lineups. I think it remains to be seen whether or not it's a smart idea to start Devon Cambridge. Um, the to me, uh, he's more of your sort of uh, run the floor transition. Uh, you know, get some get some dunks, get some block shots, but not a guy that that lends itself to a really sort of a smooth, beautiful looking offense in the half court. The ASU has to become a better half-court offensive team under Hurley than they have been in almost any season. And they are far away from that right now. Frankie Collins is the guy that you would think should be able to help enable that with what his skill set and his athleticism could unlock for them with the rest of the team. But you can't lose DJ Horn uh, and Des Cambridge shooting ability because everybody is is only able to generate shots for themselves and or pass the ball around their perimeter until somebody does a one-on-one that then leads to a shot. It's bad offense. So I don't know if they're going to be able to get that resolved. The tendency has been, I think, for the whole to not be as good as the parts at times. And that, I think, is a legitimate possibility with this group. But I would say that uh, Bobby Hurley probably has more to work with this year, given what we're about to talk about with the, the front court. Yeah, let, let's talk about the front court. Returning players in the front court, sophomore Marcus Bagley, junior Alonzo Gaffney, sophomore Enoch Boache, and senior John Olmstead. A lot of talent within the, the first three. Olmstead has put in some some good minutes at times in his Sun Devil career. Uh, but the, the front three that I just talked about are really going to be the guys getting the brunt or like the kind of big parts of the minutes for the front court. So Noah, what are your thoughts on, on these returners and their roles and what they might be able to do this season? With um, Marcus Bagley coming back into the lineup, uh, he's got to be, um, I I would imagine, a, a score, one of their top scorers, scoring options. Um, you know, he took 11 shots last night, was sort of the number two guy in that respect. Um, didn't look a whole lot comfortable with what ASU was trying to do. Um, sort of makes sense. It was his first game since really last November, um, coming off of that injury that sort of ended his season. So he's really just trying to get back into the flow of things as he was talking about last night after the game. Um, but his sort of size playing the three a lot more as Hurley was talking about this season, um, six foot eight, good body on him, uh, can, can be really impactful, I think for this ASU team. Um, as far as some of the other returners that are, you know, more four or fives, Alonzo Gaffney, uh, came off the bench. I sort of expected him to be, you know, this one of the starters last night, um, ahead of Devon Cambridge. We'll talk about him a little bit more later, but, uh, Regardless, came off the bench, played a lot of minutes, 29 uh, in total. Um, Wasn't as sort of trigger happy, I thought, um, with his shot attempts as could have been the case sometimes last year. Um, 
You know, I thought he was as good a presence as he's been uh, around the rim at sort of protecting it uh, when he can. Had a couple of blocks, um, only four shots and, and six rebounds. I, I feel like Alonzo Gaffney, he's going to sort of take the occasional three-point shot to spread the floor. Um, but he's not going to necessarily be a high volume guy in that respect. And he's going to have to make some impact in uh, other ways, you know, dirty work, so to speak. Uh, and Enoch Bawache and John Olmstead. The fact that I'm saying them in, uh, in conjunction is uh, probably not great. Uh, they both played the same amount of minutes last night. Um, Enoch Bawache was ASU's highest rated uh, center signee uh, a couple years ago. And just it doesn't seem like Curly, just judging from last night, it's very early, but just judging from last night, the fact that he wasn't at all a part of the rotation, just got, you know, spurt here or there, um, just doesn't seem confident in sort of the strides or lack thereof that Boache has made uh, from last season throughout the offseason to now. And uh, Olmstead, you know, the, the fact that they're playing the same amount of minutes could potentially be uh, as buried on the bench as each other is, is not a great sign, I feel like. Um, I think some people were expecting more out of Boache this season, and it's hard to sort of project what he'll be able to do for this team uh, based on sort of his activity, his, his role last night. Um, I think if he does end up playing more, it's, it's, it's hard to say because we really haven't seen a lot from him uh, since last season. But uh, he sort of showed the tools um, – as a six foot ten, very, just very built big man that uh, he could he could crash the boards, uh, protect the rim, and essentially be another lob threat, um, like some other players now. Now that Warren Washington's there, like like he is right now. So, I don't I don't know. I'm sort of still thinking about how that whole situation's playing out with uh, with Wache. Yeah, it certainly was kind of an interesting thing that happened during that game that I I think a lot of us expected him to to play a little more, but Cole, what are your thoughts on, on the returning front court? Starting with Bagley being able to transition more to the, the three where it seems like he's a little more comfortable, I think is definitely a positive for, for ASU, especially if he's going to be able to produce at the level that we all know that he's capable of. And I think it's going to be a huge boost as well for, um, you know, opening things up in other, in other spots as well, but just getting him back healthy is important. And, and now I think it's really important for him to stay healthy if ASU is able to um, improve offensively from, from last season when he wasn't, obviously he, he missed a good majority of the season after playing in the first three games and offense suffered tremendously. It seemed like after that. So with him back in the lineup, I think it's really going to help them out. Gaffney, I think is definitely one of the, um, definitely one of the players that I'm really intrigued by, you know, just his size and his ability to stretch the floor and his, um, his perimeter scoring ability, along with being able to have somewhat of a presence on the interior on both ends is definitely, um, a valuable asset. The, the thing that he probably needs to show the most improvement in is just being more physical and they, you know, showing the ability to sort of mix it up with, with big men, down low. He doesn't, he didn't really have the sort of the strength um, to probably do that last year. So I think if, the, if he can, if he can do that and be more physical and match up with those guys a little more, he'll be probably one of the more dynamic pieces on this team if he's not already. Um, so that's a huge plus if he's able to do that. 
Boache is is one we heard a lot about, highly touted. A lot of people said that he was going to have probably an increased role this year and be uh, take a little bit more of a step up. And as Noah said, the reflection of that, you know, having the same minutes as Olmstead last night probably suggests otherwise. But it is obviously the first game, so we'll see what happens there. The way he's built, I mean, it doesn't even seem like he's – it seems like he's one of the monsters, honestly, just the way he's built. He, he has he has the the frame of a Greek god, I think is how Chris put it before. And if he's able to use that and to 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 his um to his advantage and and on both ends and be effective, I think ASU is going to be way better for it. And you know, they talked a lot about the size that was added in the front court. And that just sort of exists in general in the front court, and he is certainly part of that. So if if he's able to just show showcase some improvement this year, I think that'll be I think that'll be good for for ASU. Um, and then on top of that, I mean Johnny Olmstead seems like a guy who um, is going to be able to sort of fight for some minutes as well, along with um, Bowache, if not surpass him in that regard. If if last night is any indication, but that's sort of that's going to be something that I guess we, we see over the course of the season. Chris, what can you add about the returning front court players? Yeah, there's no reason to expect that Marcus Bagley is someone that is ready to create a bunch of offense on his own or should be asked to do that, especially after the, this long layoff and how little he's been able to play over the last two years. But at the same time, he's one of the best catch and shoot three point shooters that you're going to have probably in the pac 12 as a six foot seven or taller guy. And so uh, you want to be able to create as many shots for him as possible that are clean catch and shoot looks similar to DJ Horn. DJ Horn's a guard. He can create a shot a little bit more. Okay, cool. But get those guys, the ball in their hands coming off of screens, ready hands, set up, dribble drive, kick out, swing it. Remember the first half, uh, Noah, you had Tarleton say had that one possession where they swung the ball all the way around the, the floor without dribbling it with like four passes. Then they swung it all the way back around with like another four passes. And then I look at yeah. that and I go, okay, th- that's the type of ball movement that you need to be able to demonstrate. And you ideally would want to be able to do it after you've had some dribble penetration or you throw the ball into the post and then you kick it out and whatever. We're going to talk about the, you know, the most important bigs here in a second, which are the newcomers um and, and the the Warren Washington in particular. But um I really feel like ASU just wasn't able to do that enough. That's not really the style of an Alonzo Gaffney. He really is more of a stretch four. I think he shot showed in the second half last season his ability to make uh um shots and open up the floor from his position in, in a rare way for a guy who's six foot nine and probably has a seven two, seven three wingspan. So that's that is an intriguing thing. The by far the the, the most disappointing thing for ASU fans uh, last night, from a personnel standpoint, had to be that Enoch Boache didn't even play um, in front of Duke Brennan or even in front of John Olmstead. Like at times, like that that is a extremely uh, downgrading aspect to the potential for this team. I would say uh, there was probably a lot of a belief that he would be able to make some strides just given his height, weight, length, athleticism, ability to run the floor, some of the things that he displayed defensively, especially last year. I thought he had an extremely high defensive upside. 
that would then lend itself to growing into a, an offensive role for him to be able to not get on the floor in the opener more than more than one one to two minute stretch that he had that is a very that is a borderline alarming thing actually for this team um so we're gonna have to see kind of how some of these guys develop their roles but but again it has to be about creating catch and shoot opportunities for Bagley and Gaffney on the offensive end of the floor. And uh, that has to be generated by what your guards do, what your head coach decides to do. And then uh, the ability to get the ball inside out via dribble penetration and post-entry passes that lead to uh, obviously double team help. And then uh, smart timely passes that lead to hockey type assists. Yeah, and you just talked about it. Let's talk about some of those newcomers on the front court. Uh, Devin Cambridge, Warren Washington, and Duke Brennan. It was interesting how many minutes Duke Brennan got. Chris, I know you tweeted about him and talked about how you'd quickly be a fan favorite with how much effort he was putting in. He definitely was grabbing some offensive boards. There was definitely some kind of freshman moments with a with charge or two there as well. But he was an interesting player. Devin Cambridge got the start and was very athletic, as you said, maybe not quite as polished in the offensive end. And then Warren Washington, seven-foot player down low, is certainly not a bad thing to have. Cole, what are your thoughts on the newcomers of this front court? The biggest thing that coaches talked about was – or that Hurley talked about, sorry, it was the was the length that was added, and that really is embodied with Warren Washington. So I'll start with him first, obviously being the seven-footer. You know, Nevada transfer was very – Solid there, definitely a presence down low um, on both ends, but can definitely also facilitate the ball as well. I think that that'll be a huge asset for this team if they're able to um, use that properly um, and take advantage of that. But on top of that, having a guy like Devon Cambridge, who is a solid athlete, but probably won't, um, you know, really uh, provide any any sort of capability on the wing that is comparable to Bagley. Um, he's more of the explosive attack the basket type. Um, he definitely has the ability to play above the rim, I think on both ends, but that's something that, you know, they're, they're going to have to try and milk as much out of, cause it just doesn't seem like he's the kind of guy who um, can be a, a, as solid as some of the other additions that they made uh, most notably his brother. Uh, but that's probably not the role that they need him to play. And then, yeah, on top of that, Duke Brennan seems like a really, really solid, hard-nosed, um, you know, front court guy who can who can definitely serve some quality minutes and be a really solid role pay- player for this team off the bench. And it'll be interesting to see how his role sort of evolves if he's able to sort of um, play at the level that he did or show the kind of potential that he did last night from what it seemed like. And, um, you know, moving forward, that might actually be a huge um, asset for this team as well. Noah, what are your thoughts on these newcomers, maybe from what you saw in the Tarleton State game and then just from the practices as well? Warren Washington, I, I, it was the first time I saw him play. And, you know, I sort of turned to Chris early in the game and I just sort of marveled at his size. Like he, he just looked massive out there, uh, especially because of just, you know, how small Tarleton State was, but still seven footer, right? Um, and foul trouble sort of limited what, uh, you know, I could have saw from him. 
uh, on the offensive side of things, he, he didn't have any, um, essentially, he didn't have many touches uh, on the offensive end. Uh, I, I sort of expect him to, to be in an elevated role in that respect in future games. Uh, probably should be that way. Chris already talked about sort of the inside-out dynamic that would probably help ASU's ball movement and cohesion on the offensive side of the floor. Uh, and that just really wasn't um, – that wasn't present with Washington last night. He only played 13 minutes. And, again, the foul trouble played into that. Um, Devin Cambridge, you know, he, he's going to be sort of he, – he's, he's going to have to figure out, like, what exactly Hurley needs from him. Um he had 10 boards, four blocks, a steal. Like he, he, he was very athletic. And so that lends itself well to the kind of sort of defensive minded grab rebounds, offensive rebounds, even um, at a pretty high clip. I, I think that could be really valuable actually for ASU. Um, what's not as valuable, it seems though, is him taking any three point shots. Um, he took two last night and, you know, sort of, it was sort of questionable uh, shots from him. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's as he's, he's the kind of guy that you'd want uh, the kind of big that you'd want taking those kinds of shots. Um, and I think also, you know, the fact that he doesn't have the ball in his hands a whole ton, having three turnovers is probably not great. Um, but really across the team as a whole, they, they struggled to take care of the ball. So, with Cambridge, you have just essentially a guy that can can give you certain things, right, and can be really valuable um, and be a sort of a good plus minus guy if he sort of finds a narrow a narrower I guess path to impacting this ASU team. Duke Brennan did not really expect him to be um, to play as much as he did, uh, just because felt Yanakwache was going to be more of a more of an impact. Uh, player last night uh, had nine minutes overall was was extremely active um, hustled a ton and you know essentially just did what he needed to do uh, on the boards and on the defensive end uh, he, he had I, I know he had at least one put back for you know he had four points at least one of his field goals were was a was a tip in and it just seems like that's going to be um, how he sort of influences uh, this team this year. It, it doesn't seem like he's going to have any more of, uh, you know, expanded role offensively. Um, and he's just going to be a hustle guy. And if he can be that uh, for Hurley, it's probably a good thing uh, in terms of balancing out the kind of uh, the scoring talent um, and those who really want to get up shots on this team. It, it, it probably strikes a nice balance uh, with those guys. Chris, newcomers in the front court, what are your thoughts? Well, this is a potential hot take, but I'm going to say that ASU's second most important player on this team is Warren Washington after Frankie Collins. Uh, a lot of people would say Marcus Bagley. I don't think Marcus Bagley should be creating a lot of offense for himself. I don't think he's going to be like an impact defensive player, really. Um, so, But Warren Washington, when you have Enoch Boache clearly not deemed to be ready by his own coaching staff, um, he he needs to have a massive role on both ends of the floor. He's a seven footer with great size, length. He's athletic. Really early in the game, first player two, they dump the ball inside. You know, he steps on the the baseline and turns it over. The, there's been a lot of talk about um, 
him potentially being a facilitator from the interior. He seemed like he was a pretty good po- passer at, at Nevada. He couldn't stay on the floor last night. Uh, five fouls. Uh, you know, he played like 13 minutes. Uh, that's that's a bad that's a bad performance. Like period. I mean, um, so he's got to stay on the court, and they are going to have to extract a lot out of him at both ends, uh, rim protector. Um, the ability to rebound, but to uh, clean up second chance opportunities. I think that this team is one that has the ability to do that better than others have in the past. When you have Devon Cambridge, um, Gaffney, in Washington, and some of some of the the, the athletes that they have, um, he is just I, I can't stress enough how crucial that he's going to be. I think he looks like he can be a pretty good player. Not maybe not a double double guy, but potential to be in the 10 8 sort of range, which there won't be that many guys in the Pac 12 to do that. There'll be fewer than 10, probably. Um, so and then I, I think the the most interesting development that we saw, probably from a personnel standpoint, was Duke Brennan. Uh, he had extremely hard playing minutes the uh, nine minutes, four points, three rebounds. But the guy was uh, – they're all on the offensive glass. He shows the ability to keep possessions alive, to score off of misses, to be somebody who maybe could even be like a lob guy. I think he showed – like he runs the floor and has a little bounce to him. Uh, very, very competitive. Devon Cambridge to me is a guy that you want to play if you're going to be able to get into a defensive – up and down style where you generate a lot of turnovers the you're, 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 you're running and, and you're throwing lobs and it's, it's, it's fun. And you're, everybody's, you know, getting easy baskets in transition. If you end up having to play a lot of half court basketball, he's just not your guy. And I say that knowing that of course he had uh team high 10 rebounds last night and four blocks, but he did that. To it to the tune of a minus seven on the plus minus against Tarleton State, and by the way, if Tar if you can't get up and down and run the floor and get a lot of transition points um, against Tarleton State, or more than they did last night to enable a, a greater offensive output than sixty two points on the night, well, th- that might not be what you're going to be able to do against uh, the better teams on your schedule who are going to try to grind you out and force you to play a half-court style because that's obviously what you need to do against ASU pretty clearly. So um, I'm interested in seeing kind of how all this stuff sort of uh, takes shape, um, but they may need Duke Brennan, especially if Warren Washington continues to have foul troubles and uh, if Enoch Boache is not able to come on and be serviceable in at least 10 to 15 minutes this year. All right, so we've gone to specific parts about the roster and talked about those specific players and what their roles might be. Let's talk a little bit more holistically about the team. What keys are there to a successful season and what things will likely hold the team back from having success? So what keys could lead to a successful season and what might hold them back? Cole, we'll go to you first. I think the biggest thing is making sure that the um, a lot of the returning guys, especially um, guys like Gaffney, 
Bagley in particular as well, coming off of an injury that those guys take a, take a big step up and are able to, to sort of help this team. As Chris said, it can't be expected, but I do think that this is something that these guys are able to um, a level that these guys are able to perform to and can certainly um, can certainly help with. So I think that's the biggest thing is making sure that the returners are able to sort of, um, you know, produce at a higher level and improve. Noah, what about you? Keys to success and things that might hold them back. We've covered a lot of it, especially on the offensive end. Um, playing more inside out, getting more ball movement. Um, having Frankie Collins be more of a distributor than a scorer, I think is crucial when you have this kind of scores that ASU has around him. Um, you know, there's just so many shots to go around and just one ball. Uh, and essentially reconciling that uh, reality is going to be important if ASU wants to be more effective offensively this year. Um, and then, you know, foul trouble was actually a pretty big issue last night, you know, on the defensive end. Uh, not only did Warren Washington foul out, but there are several other players, uh, Frankie Collins, Duke Brennan, and Alonzo Gaffney, who had four. Um, you know, they, they sort of have to play a little bit of a cleaner um game on the defensive end uh, they certainly have the tools to be a good defensive team the length athleticism like we've sort of talked about that that didn't necessarily come in spades last night um, but uh, yeah they just have to perform better on that and uh, utilize um, just sort of the the things that have been hyped up a lot this offseason they, they do have the potential uh, in that regard they do have the length the athleticism it just it just didn't mesh well uh, on either end of the floor for them last night. And it's the opener, so there's a lot more to go, uh, but just sort of refining the idea of how this team needs to play together. Um, I think that's going to be the biggest key overall for Hurley. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up the fouls because I think it, the on the broadcast, they talked about Hurley talking about practices being wars and having to maybe tone that down when you get onto the court so that you aren't getting those fouls. But Chris, what about you? Keys to success and, and things that might hold him back. Well, it seems like this team needs to be a grinded out defensive uh, style. Uh, they, they probably have the ability to uh, hold some good opponents to some low scores. The problem, though, with that is when you're potentially a bad or below average free throw shooting team, this team, you know, 14 of 29 last night, and also you can't get high quality shots in a lower possession game, those things become problems. Um, so the concern that I have for ASU would be, uh, okay, maybe they can uh, stifle opponents, but then are they going to be able to do anything that that generates enough offense uh, uh, in the half court? And that's why I think, again, a lot of this is probably going to come down to, are they going to be able to generate a lot of deflections, steals, Frankie Collins, can he get, get up in guys and, and, and defend them? at a high level on the ball uh, and they have to be a very good rebounding team. Like they can't give up second chance opportunities almost at all. I think if they can do those things uh, and then they can figure out how to utilize their personnel properly on the offensive end, which is something that Bobby Hurley has tended to take a long time to kind of figure out what role should be and who needs to be on the floor doing exactly what on the offensive end, if they can figure that out sooner than later, sooner rather than later then they have a chance to put together a pretty successful season. But there's a lot that has to be done between now and then. 
All right. So first game of the season, there's still a lot of questions to be answered, but let's make a couple predictions for statistical leaders in certain categories. We'll quickly go around. We'll go Noah, Cole, Chris, then myself. We'll go around and just give your prediction for which player you think uh, will lead these categories. And then we'll go into a couple other things as well. But first off, who will lead the team in scoring? Noah first. I'm going to go with Marcus Bagley. I'm going to go with Bagley as well. I also say Bagley. I think it's going to be very narrow where you have like um, Bagley, Horn, and Collins all averaging somewhere between 10 and like 13 points. I also am going to go with Bagley. What about assists, Noah? Should be Frankie Collins. Um, very, very easily. You know, if you can sort of step into that more of that facilitator role that we've been touching on really a little by little uh, throughout the podcast. Collins. Collins should have at least twice as many as anybody else on the team. Especially if he has the ball as much as he did against Tarleton State. Who else is going to get assists? So I will go with Collins as well. Rebounds. Warren Washington. Yeah, Warren Washington. Warren Washington should uh, get around eight rebounds a game, and that would, pro- would probably lead the team. I will also take Warren Washington. What about steals? Should be Frankie Collins. Um, Chris was talking about sort of him being able to or get up into, you know, the grill of other guards, uh, how well he can be as an on-ball defender. Um, showed aggression, at least, in that respect. Had three steals last night. I, I think he can live up to that uh, to that part of his role, at least, and lead the team in steals. Yeah, I agree, Collins. So it should be Collins. The the guy that's a sleeper candidate would be Jemiah Neal, and I think that he is he's a very smart, savvy sort of defensive player who uses his length effectively. If he gets enough minutes, uh, and I think that he is somebody who fits within what the ideology of this team should be, then he maybe could potentially be a challenge. Nobody else will whatsoever. That, that's exactly who I was going back and forth with. And I think, like you said, it's just kind of dependent on minutes for Jermaine Neal with his length and his athleticism. I think he definitely is right there. But I'll go with Collins just because of how much he played and, and kind of knowing how many minutes he's going or expected to get. What about most three-pointers made, Noah? Um, Actually, just do both most three-pointers made and highest three-point percentage back-to-back. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say – DJ Horn for most three pointers made. And I think for field goal, like three point field goal percentage, I'm going to say Marcus Bagley. Most threes, I'll say Bagley. And then percentage, I'll go Des Cambridge. I have it exactly as Noah. I think uh, Horn will, will edge out Bagley for most threes, but Bagley will have a higher, the highest percentage. I, I kind of went back and forth because Horn has been pretty efficient, but I also agree with you guys in terms of Horn having the most threes and, and Bagley with the better uh, three-point percentage. All right, now Horn and Bagley were second team in the media poll uh, in the preseason, but do you guys think any players will make all-conference first or second team? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if you want me to distinguish either or, but I, I do think Frankie Collins will make one of the um, all-Pac-12 teams. Uh, I expect Frankie Collins, and uh, I'm sort of in, 
I'm going to say Frankie Collins and Marcus Bagley. I feel like if Washington can can do what he needs to do uh, to facilitate the success of this team, he could be another another player uh, in that role. DJ Horn, possibly, but I'm going to go with Collins and Bagley for now. I'm going to say Collins and Bagley are both second team all, team all conference picks. I think that's the most likely outcome. Horn, just because of not getting the ball nearly as much as Frankie Collins, it, ASU probably won't have a first team guy. So I think Bagley and Collins, second team, pretty good chance. I think Bagley and Collins, second team, is a good chance as well. For those who are regular listeners of the podcast, I talked about an Elijah Badger takeover for football. I don't know if it's going to be the same level, but I do think a sleeper is Jeremiah Neal. I think he's he's impressed in the practices that we saw. I think he's showed an ability to get to the rim. I think he's a little chaotic at times in terms of IQ and decision-making, but if he can put it together, I think he'd be pretty dangerous and someone that they might be able to go to to kind of create some offense for himself. Don't, uh... Don't break your arm patting yourself on the back there, Ethan. Well, I, I I just had to put it out there. I'm just saying, you know, okay. maybe okay. a similar similar type breakout could could be seen from Jermaine Neal, who I think impressed at times last season as well and looks like he could have a bigger role on the offense. But last question we'll ask here is, will ASU make the NCAA tournament? Why or why not? And what is your guess for total wins on the season? I feel like ASU is going to hover around 20 wins. Um, I sort of expect them to get to that marker this year. Um, Don't, however, think that they will make the NCAA tournament. Um, Just, I I don't really expect Hurley to extract like as much as he can from the talent that he has offensively, especially um, this year. Um, feel like defensively, it's going to be a little easier for him to get uh, to get things figured out. Just uh, it, it's a lot harder when you have so many different moving pieces on offense. It's got a lot of new players that can do a lot of good things, but uh, there's only one ball, like I said earlier, and I think trying to figure out what to do uh, from player to player um, on every, you know every possession, it's going to be. I think it's going to be a long process to figuring out, and I just I'm not sure that he's going to be able to do that uh, good enough to beat out some of the other Pac-12 teams for for an NCAA tournament berth. Yeah, I'm also going to say no on the tournament uh, wins wise. I think I I'm going to say slightly under 20 wins, maybe maybe with a ceiling of like 21, 22. Um, but I, for a lot of the same reasons Noah mentioned, I, I, I don't think it's reasonable at this juncture uh, to think that Hurley is going to be able to um, get the most or, you know, be able to maximize the talent um, on this team. And so I just think that's a massive limitation for them. I think that they're going to probably be a little bit above 500. Um 17, 18 wins, maybe something like that. Uh, and they'll probably have some, some ugly losses and they'll beat some teams that are higher ranked than them kind of within that. It seems like that's a, this is that type of a team potentially, maybe they could get into a good rhythm later in the season that gives them a chance to make a run in the postseason with the way that they are able to defend. 
but absent uh, winning the Pac-12 tournament, which ASU has never done and probably won't do, but absent that, I, I think that they're probably not an NCAA tournament team. Um, but uh, definitely would not rule it out if they're because I think that, that they have enough pieces where if they can get it all together, that it's possible. But we haven't really seen Hurley have a team that overachieves. And I don't think that you can project that to be the case this year. Yeah, I'm very similar in that boat. I think hovering around 18, 19 wins, I think they might be, you know, right on the cusp of, of an NCAA tournament. I don't know if they're going to gonna quite get there. I do think there is, as you guys talked about, the talent and the possible build for something that could be a really dangerous team that could put together more wins than we might expect. But in terms of Hurley actually being able to put that together and make sure that this team does overachieve is something that I'm not quite sure of. So I think they'll end up missing and probably right around 18, 19 wins. Right before we go, Chris, Bobby Hurley, as we just talked about, if they go under 500 this season, it would be the third season in a row that that has happened. So if this is another season that ASU doesn't have a successful season, should Bobby Hurley's job be uh, in jeopardy? Chris, we'll, we'll just go to you for this one. I think that's a very reasonable thing to say, yes. Uh, you look historically at ASU basketball, all the way from Ned Wolk, uh, who started coaching at ASU in the 1950s until now, there has never been a coach who was under 500 for three years in a row, sort of in the, in a, you know, who had been on the job for at least five plus years uh, who didn't lose their job uh, after that third uh, losing season in a row. So the, if, if you go by what his historically the case has been at ASU, his job should probably be on the line this year. And if they, uh, they, I think they have, a, they have enough talent. The thing though, is that Bobby Hurley's teams have tended to have enough talent. Um, and I, I think that some, you know, which we, the, the recruiting has been pretty good. It's just, are they recruiting to the style that they should be able to play and, and get the most out of their players. And um do they have the ability to kind of overachieve with their talent that those things haven't really happened. And so it's not really a, a talent acquisition uh, challenge that, that Hurley really has, especially with the transfer portal stuff that the, he's been able to pull off. The question is, does he have the ability to extract enough uh, from the team that he, that he, that he puts together? And this is a great opportunity for him to show that he can do that. And if it doesn't happen and they end up with a losing record, then um, if he's out of a job, I don't think that there's really anybody else to blame. Yeah, it should be interesting. As we've talked about throughout this podcast, it's a season that could go a lot of different ways, a lot of different questions that still need to be answered. A lot of that due to a very uh, different roster in terms of transfers, high school recruits, uh, and high school signings, I should say, and others along that line. So it should be an interesting season. Hopefully you feel like you are ready for the upcoming season after we just went pretty in-depth about the roster and what could possibly happen for the season. Make sure to stay tuned to all of our basketball content. ASU hosts NAU on Thursday at 7 p.m. at Desert Financial Arena, so make sure to stay tuned to our content for that one. And we'll also have all of our football content for you as well as ASU football 
heads to Pullman to take on Washington State. Stay tuned to all of our content on SunDevilSource.com, but that will be it for this edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. For Chris Cartman, Noah Furtado, and Cole Bradley, I'm Ethan Ryder. Thanks for listening, and see you guys next time.